relationship coach. I travel the world helping people learn the skills they need to have happy and healthy relationships. And I'm Big Sexy, her loving husband and co-host here to provide levity. levity. <laughs> yeah, so we y'all y'all have noticed, welcome I'm back. sure, welcome back, that for the last few weeks we have been playing our greatest hits and we have not been putting out some new content. Part of that is that we wanted to take some time to get your feedback, to understand where we could improve uh, production, quality, make sure that we are giving you interesting and good information. So thanks guys for sticking with us and welcome back. Um, if you have a chance, please go on ahead and hit that like button, subscribe. Uh, if you're on Spotify, go on ahead and hit whatever follow. Spotify does, follow us. Mm -hmm. Every interaction helps us, and thank you for helping us out so far. We really appreciate you, colorful humans, and uh, let's get started. And if this is your first time, welcome. Welcome to Rainbow Dream Catcher the Love Podcast. We're happy to have you with us. Know that you are also able to be heard. If you have questions or anything like that, reach out at rainbowdreamcatchertop at gmail.com or any of our social medias. Just search for Rainbow Dream Catcher the Love Podcast, and you'll find us. Okay, so we're switching things up a little bit. Uh, usually, we we ask the questions at I have a question at the end. As we're a question, a listener question, and as we're going through, we realize a lot of times the listener question actually can spark a full episode. So that's what this is. So today's question comes from a listener, Dallas. Shout out to Dallas. Thank you very much. Appreciate you. Uh, Dallas asks. How can you move past knowing your partner's previous track record with infidelity? Whew. Okay. So that's going to take us to a pretty big topic. I, I work with infidelity. Uh, I'm actually an inf a, a specialist in helping partners to recover from infidelity in what I like to think of as complex, uh, complex challenges. Mm -hmm. uh, infidelity that is compounded in some way. It's a hard topic because it is a difficult time for most partnerships. Uh, a lot of people experience infidelity in their relationships. Take a guess, and this is divided by gender. This is just what the research was. I wish they had kind of just more broad information about people or at least more inclusive of gender. But uh, the studies I was able to find about infidelity primarily involved uh, gendered studies around men and women who cheats, why do they cheat, right. that kind of thing. So what do you think the numbers are? What would you guess are the statistics of, of let's say, married folks? Okay. How many of those married men? Married heterosexual couples, mm -hmm. where how many men cheat versus how many women cheat? Yes. Okay. So men 
Odds and we're going percentage wise. Let's go or, percentage. Okay, well, so. I mean, you're gonna give a, a, a whole number. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one million six hundred eight hundred thirty-two. Out of all men, seven hundred thirty-five thousand six hundred thirty-four <laughs> right. men cheated. I say that I'm gonna go with sixty-five percent huh. men. Yes, cheat. Wow. And I'm basing that number off of the divorce, <laughs> I would love to know the number. The divorce rate is about fifty percent. That's true. And I think that a little lower, but yes, about fifty percent. Okay, so and I think that the level of infidelity is slightly higher than the divorce rate. Oh, interesting. Because people will cheat and still stay together. That does happen. That is true. Right. Although I guess not every single divorce is based off of infidelity. Right. So that is a flaw in my mathematics. So readjust, oh, readjusting for oh, those math. those mathematic uh, equations. Yes, the scientific method. Right, the scientific, right. I will say that 45% of men cheat. And I'll say 38% of women cheat. Whew. Okay, so the good news is that it is not that bad out there. Oh, good, okay. <laughs> it's not that bad out okay, there, y'all. good, good. Woo-hoo! I mean, I, and, and that's a point to make, too. I think that a lot of folks, and, and, and I have to preface this by saying two things. One is that there is not good research about what happens in other communities outside of heteronormative couples. Right. So whatever number I'm giving, it's the wrong number because it doesn't encompass all people. Right. <laughs> right. Not even within the same country, it doesn't encompass all people. So right. that being said, I wonder if people think that more people cheat than actually do, or at least report cheating. I've, yeah, I, I'm the stereotype. Like my my knee jerk, to, the gut to go with the joke of it mm-hmm. would be that 95 percent of men cheat, and 97 uh, percent of women cheat. But that's not accurate. That's not even close to right. But let comedians what? What? let comedians tell it. Who are you? Li- I was say I'm trying to think if I've heard anything like that. Who are you listening to? I'm just saying <laughs> a lot in the in the. Like stories. Okay. Okay. So just Jokes. anecdotal. Anecdotal. Okay. Right. The the knee jerk reaction. Everybody cheats. One hundred percent. Everybody. Yeah. Which that's is, it. It's it's, it's right. very cynical. It's very cynical. Right. In, incorrect assumption. It's incorrect. Unfortunately, people don't see the sarcasm and the humor in it. Take that as fact and just anticipate that level of uh, risk. Okay. In relationship. Okay. My understanding is that the numbers that I initially gave, the, the 45 for men and 37 for women, mm-hmm. based off the scientific method. Got it. Got it. So uh, the answer is we don't actually know. There aren't really good numbers. That's not right. That's <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. It's not right to quiz me. But let me finish. Let me finish. I'm gonna, I swear to you, at the end of this, I'm going to give you some actual for real numbers. Okay. But this has a lot of caveats because this is not an easy field to no, work in, right? No, it is absolutely not. The first thing you have to define is what is infidelity, uh, because that's going to change what's included in that number. Right. If it is just sexual infidelity, okay, meaning that I have had a sexual uh, encounter with another person, right, and it doesn't necessarily have to be 
I don't have to get into details, right? But like anything that is physical outside of the agreed upon norms. Right. If that is your definition, then you're looking at about 13% of men and about 11% of women report that that is, report that they oh, have that's, that kind that's of- That's a lot lower than I would anticipate. It's, it's a lot lower. It's a lot lower. Now, it gets a lot bigger if you look at what we would consider, in, at least in, in therapy, when I'm working with partners, what, what I look at when I consider infidelity, which is much broader, Okay. right? So if I look at infidelity, so I guess we first stop and let's define infidelity. Okay. So these numbers, kind of meaningless unless we have a good, solid working definition. So for me, at least when I'm talking to partners, infidelity is any behavior or interaction with another person that is outside of the expected and agreed upon norms of relationship within that partnership, right? right. Both overt and covert, right? With some element of secrecy, right? Right. That's how I would define infidelity. That means that that number would go from 13 and 11% to include things like emotional infidelity, mm -hmm. which is where folks are having inappropriate or what would be inappropriate to their relationship, uh, friendships with other folks in ways that affect their marriage or their partnership. Uh, there is financial infidelity which is where someone is either spending money or using money in a way that is not agreed upon or hiding things. Um, That's to those people with them secret bank accounts. Secret bank accounts, lottery winners, <laughs> right? right? People who uh, just have control of the banking and finance within their relationships and choose not to share. Side tangent, wasn't there a case where a lady just had to give her husband like a whole bunch of her lottery winnings because she hid the fact that she won the lottery? Yes. Well, technically it wasn't her husband anymore because she divorced him when she won. <laughs> She, she, won it. she won the money. She won the money. Divorced him. Divorced him. And then he found out that she won and the money. And then he found out that she won And got that money. And then got and, that and money. got awarded like all she, the money too. Yes. Because what she did was so egregious. Because that was <laughs> so like, Not only is that legal, that is stank. It's so wrong. That's so stank. <laughs> yeah. Right. So that's okay. an example of financial. So financial infidelity. I mean, if she'd stayed, it would have been financial infidelity. <laughs> She didn't stay, so right. I don't know if that technically counts. Right. Well, technically, she she it was infidelity because she won the money and then divorced him. That's true. So she had the money while she was married. That's true. And then hid it while the divorce was taking place. Well, I tell you what, she knew she won. I don't know if she had she, the money. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Okay. I hope so. I mean, if you're going to pull off the scam, do it do, all the way. Do, do it all the way. <laughs> Yeah, I think she'd have to divorce. You know what? Whatever. You yeah, no, 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 no. I think she'd have to divorce him and then take the money for him to not know. Right. <laughs> like, what happens if she just rolls up in a Lambo all of a sudden? <laughs> Go to drop off the kids and we moved. What's your address? Beverly Hills. <laughs> Baby. Can I ask a question? Why is our toilet paper dripping in gold? I'll send the manservant around to pick up the children, Charles. We got a manservant? Like, right. right. There'd be some right. definite changes happening. Right. 
that he might have done mm. so. Different. Okay. So financial infidelity. Financial infidelity. That <laughs> right. is one. I've never yeah. laughed so much about infidelity. And <laughs> I tell you what, I have a good time in my sessions. We we actually have really good conversations and sometimes there's laughter. Yeah. But uh yeah, okay. Financial infidelity. So depending on how you define infidelity, right. that's gonna be the difference in mm-hmm. what that statistic looks like. Right. And why those numbers range so widely anywhere from 13, 11% up to 18, 24%. Okay. But nowhere still, near, nowhere like near the, the, nowhere the crazy near the, like, numbers half. that I was throwing out. No, nowhere near like half. That's generally, at least not reported, right? Right. That's generally. And you can only go by what's reported. You can only go by what's reported. So the data would show us that most people actually are pretty, fairly loyal. Okay. Right. In well, that's their, that's, in their that's hard At that's least true. while they are together. It doesn't mean they necessarily stay together. It doesn't mean it's necessarily a good relationship, but it does not have these elements of infidelity. Got it. Got it. Right. So the question from Dallas was how do we rebuild? And that's a really tough proposition because it, when we talk about how people form relationships, it starts in childhood. Right? Right. So you had a really great childhood. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, objectively, just yeah. It was really objectively, great. very secure and very loving. You always knew that you were loved. Yes. You always had good self esteem. These kinds so. of things, right? Now, so, b- before we move forward, yes. And I just want to clarify. Yes. Dallas was asking, how do you move past knowing your partner's track record? With I get it, and I'm just I'm I'm just talking infidelity broadly, right? Okay, now. okay, gotcha. Right, okay. no worries. Okay. In terms of what happens uh, in relationships that infidelity touches, right? Um, and to be fair, Dallas, I don't know the situation, so I'm just going to talk about this from all angles, right? Right, from the angle of what happens within the relationship. Uh, and also, like, how do I trust folks, <laughs> right? How do mm-hmm. I learn to build trust with people? Yes. Uh, is this something that Moving is like, forward, right. yeah, like a foregone conclusion type of thing? But for now, right, let's talk about what uh, kind of what happens in the disruption. Okay. Um, so, one, people have a flood of emotions uh, that range anywhere from confusion, anger, disbelief this is the person that is learning that they have been betrayed um and part of that stems from that childhood attachment right so if i have a secure attachment which is great that's how i form my relationships and part of what i learn as a child and what we learn as we grow up is that i have safety in connecting with other people so i have safety when i connect with my parents i have safety when i connect to my community uh, my body finds a place that feels like, okay, I can have my guard down. I am safe and loved and protected. And that's what we're looking for in our intimate partner. When we find out that partner who I have chosen to be my person has done something to betray me, right? It's not just that my feelings are hurt. It's that it feels like a threat to my survival. Oh, wow, okay. Right? Because it's primal, <laughs> right? right? You're the person that I have chosen that essentially is the person that's going to have my back. And if you don't have my back, and now I suddenly realize that you do not have my back, it's an actual threat to my survival, uh, which is why people lose it. I 
mean, people who don't have problems with anger become incredibly angry. I mean, it's, it is literally fight, flight, freeze, right? All of the trauma responses start to come out. Um, and that can be really, really difficult to navigate. Uh, part of that is because it's such a survival mechanism, uh, the other partner, the partner who uh, is the betrayer, who, who betrayed the partnership, uh, they are having their own experience of emotions. And it's, it's really interesting, too, because in addition to, you know, sometimes remorse or regret, uh, shame, guilt, um, there's also some relief um, that people often experience which can feel like salt in the wound of the uh, other, of the part, betrayed partner, <laughs> right? So because there's relief. So the betrayer feels relief of having been found out yep. by the betrayed. Yes. Because they know, I'm assuming, and this mm-hmm. is just me assuming that they are now, now that it's out there, it's out there. They don't, have, they're not hiding anything. There's the no responsibility guilt. of the secret is gone. Right. Right. And it's a secret that while the other person is just starting to grapple with that secret, they've been sitting with that secret sometimes. I think the average affair lasts from start to finish two years. Yeah. On average, about two years. Uh, Pew Research, I think, is where I read that. Okay. I'll, I'll look and double check for, for our, the listeners, uh, for our colorful humans out there. Right. So they've been holding this kind of like secret and thinking about it and what might happen if somebody found out about it or right? Or, you know, trying to hide it or maintain it. So they've been spending a lot of time with this secret. So they have a handle on what's happening in their world. Like their world hasn't blown apart. Right. The other person's world has blown apart. They're just now getting their arms around it, right? That is a profoundly difficult experience. It's a difficult experience for both parties who are involved. Uh, and it, it, it leads to a, a lot of breakups. I think, um, I don't know if this is stat is accurate as with all of these, right? Right. Y'all keep liking and subscribing and we will start to have a staff to help us with the massive amounts of research that we do (laughs) for each one. But um, can't wait till we have a team. Can't wait till we have a team. Uh, But uh, I was looking at stats about infidelity worldwide and apparently it is the number one cause of uh, divorce across the world. Right. Right. And and that's what made me choose such a higher number mm-hmm. was that the the divorce rate is so high. Mm-hmm. I know that infidelity is usually the, the number one reason folks get divorced. Mm-hmm. So I would assume that the number is higher because of that. Yeah. Well, and it's still high. You got to think it's it's if I mean, it's, if it's 100 percent of married couples. And 50% of those divorce, and of that 50%, 25% of those are uh, as a result of infidelity. That just means that there's 75% of other causes right. of divorce, right? Which are, there are lots of reasons people get divorced. Money, children, I don't like you no more. Well, and we'll probably, do episode, we'll probably <laughs> no. do an episode on why people break up. We did do an episode on breakups. Well, we did we did an episode on, 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 on healing, on from, healing a from a breakup. But we didn't really from talk a breakup. about why. We didn't talk about, we didn't get into the nitty gritty about why folks separate. That's true. That is very true. You went down a future episode. Let yeah. us know if you want to hear something like that. Yeah. So that that's kind of the experience okay. of D-Day, right? Um, there's a lot of questions around why. 
why do people cheat? Why do people experience inf- uh, or, or engage in infidelity or deceptive behavior? Um, and th- there are a lot of different reasons. Uh, I-, I think Esther Perel has made really popular um, some different understandings about why people cheat. Uh, often the thought is that there is relationship dissatisfaction or some form of sexual dissatisfaction or um, some personal need that isn't being met. And those things are all true, right? Uh, there's also to me, and, and this is uh, again, directly from Esther Perel's work, there's a shift. It, it often takes place when there is a shift in identity Okay. When someone is having as a as a, a a means of transformation, like there is a new part of me that's emerging, and this part of me is not going to be acceptable or doesn't fit into this old life. I'm not ready to let go of this old life. I want to experience something different as I experience this new identity. This is sometimes why you find people have affairs at work, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? They get to hold and have a different identity at work that is separate from cleaning floors and chasing after kids and picking up dry cleaning and taking up trash, right? So it's a way uh, people use it as a platform to transform their identity. Uh, It is also a way to transform grief. Uh, it, It is not at all uncommon in my practice when I talk to folks, not that it is a cause of infidelity, but it, it never surprises me if they have had a significant loss in their life in the last two years or so. Something that made them feel like they didn't have a connection to the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, the loss of a person, the loss of a pet, the loss of a job, anything that's really major that shakes up someone's life core, uh, they, that often puts them in a vulnerable, vulnerable position of clinging to anything that looks like a form of life. Right. Anything that makes me feel alive and connected in the world. And the thing is, people do that for us. (laughs) Right. Right. Other people do that for us. Right. Uh, And, you know, uh, different people spark different chemicals in in each other. So uh, if we have been together for a long time, uh, we're going to have different bonding chemicals that are taking place between us right. that are going to be different than the attraction chemicals that someone else might spark for me, right? And that comfort is really nice, but it may not be enough to help lift me into a place that makes me feel alive. Right. And that's often a time when folks will then engage in infidelity, in my experience, right? Not all the time, but I'm, I'm never surprised right. when I find that that's the case, right? Whew, we're doing a lot of legwork. <coughs> Excuse me. So let's just do a quick recap. What is infidelity? Secretive behavior outside of the norm that we have agreed upon, right? Right. D-Day, one tip I want to make sure that we tell our listeners, if you do decide to disclose, right? And I tell you 22% of folks never disclose. That doesn't mean they don't get caught, ladies and gentlemen. It just means they didn't say it. (laughs) One, if you disclose before your partner finds you out, you have a better chance at recovery across the board because it is you taking something that is secretive and bringing it to your partner, right? So it's the difference between walking along the street and a bomb goes off and you go, oh man, I should have told you that bomb was there. 
(laughs) (laughs) And instead walking and saying, yo, before we walk further, any further, you need to know that there's this thing that could explode at any moment. And I put it over there. Right. Right. I'm oh, this is street. Well, I set that bomb up. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to walk down this together. Yeah. Right. I'm, and I'm not, I'm in, in either circumstance, I am not at all happy with you. Of course. Right? But in one, I'm a lot less injured. Okay, right. I am a lot less blown off course. I'm a lot less blown apart. Honestly. There's less extra betrayal. There's less extra betrayal, right? right. Because if I got to find you out in a lie. Yeah, I'm serving well, I'm serving up a plate of betrayal. Oh. But if I got to give if I give you the whole plate, there's no extra dish whereas you show up expecting dinner and mm-hmm. you get a plate of betrayal. Mm-hmm. That's that's worse. Mm-hmm. Yep. Much 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 worse, right? The other thing that's really important for the person that wants to rebuild trust or rebuild relationship in that circumstance don't do it in dribs and drabs. And what? Don't, I would tell you, and this is one, I, I very rarely give directives in therapy, but this is one that I actually give just very directly as a, as a do not do this okay. <laughs> right? under any circumstances. If you have been found out in some form of deceit or infidelity, this is your opportunity to tell it all. Tell it all, <laughs> right? Don't hide nothing. Don't pretend nothing. Don't try to save nothing. The reason is that if you, you know, we talked about that attachment mm-hmm. uh, that that gets disrupted and can often lead to trauma, right, for your partner. When that gets disrupted, the only way it starts to heal is without is you have to remove the trauma, right? Like any wound. Right. It's not going to heal if I keep re-traumatizing it. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. If you got a piece of glass in you, yes, uh, you're not going to heal if I don't take out about a, a piece, some a piece of the piece of glass. Right. I can't or leave the glass just, in you. Or if it just slide it out a couple inches at a time. Good. Good. <laughs> right. Just a little bit at a time. Right. So that is a much more painful and much more destructive experience. So my 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 uh, advice to folks is that if you are found out right? Uh, Tell it all. If you decide that you want to rebuild trust with your partner, right? Tell it all. If you're going to tell it, don't tell it in half measure. Right. Right. Uh, That will make it less. That's drips and drabs. Yes, that's drips and drabs. You're going to make it a less painful experience for you, a less painful experience for your partner, and you don't want to have to go back and retread these wounds because this is hard work no matter who no matter how you're doing it right this i can imagine it's enjoyable oh yeah oh by the way mm-hmm. okay let's, let's let's jump that hurdle yeah okay we're good we're good oh yeah i gotta tell you about this part also this other hurdle yeah or and, and here's the thing that i find to be true more than anything which is that when folks are traumatized in this way it puts them in a state of hypervigilance and in that state of hypervigilance i'm looking for all the clues I'm looking for all the clues. That's just human nature. Right. And the thing about human nature and just the world in general is that weird stuff just tends to pop up. If you've been with your partner for a while, you know their behavior. Right. You know when something doesn't seem or feel quite right or when something doesn't look quite whatever. And now I've been put on alert. 
right? My entire nervous system is on alert, right? It's absolutely activated. Right. And I got to tell you again, this is anecdotal. And maybe one day I'll sit down and collate the information from the last eight or nine years or so, right? But when uh, folks who are in recovery continue to secretively see a partner, almost always they get caught again. Ooh. Almost always. And in and, and random ways, you know? It's one of those things, like, I don't know, we're careful, but I guess we're just not a species that can be super careful. Right. Um, I'd imagine also there's a lack of, of work at the secrecy if you've already been caught. No, no, they still work pretty hard. Really? Oh, yeah. I mean, if they're still in that part. And, and again, this is so complex because there's two different healing paths right. for each of these folks, right? Uh, for the partner that has been betrayed, uh, they have to, one, deal with the grief and loss of what they thought the relationship was. Mm -hmm. uh, they have to, two, deal with an understanding of themselves um, and what values this now challenges for them about their own experience of their own life and their partnership um, and their future, right? Um, and it also, uh, and, and it's also a place where they have to navigate and in a kind of unfair way, they have to navigate how to still stay connected when furiously angry and learning how to manage an anger that, you know, or hurt that I didn't cause right. uh, and dealing with the unfairness of that. Uh, so that we can even reconnect. That's one path. The path for the betrayer is, or the person who betrayed the relationship, is to, um, one, get an understanding of uh, their own sense of values. Okay. Uh, to walk through and move away from the selfish center of shame and guilt, right? Which says, like, Poor me, poor me, poor me, uh, to move to a more empathetic, a healthier empathetic place, right? Then allows them to see how their behaviors and interactions are affecting the people around them. Uh, and I find that there's also kind of a, you know, there's a, a certain amount of selfishness and entitlement that folks have to work through uh, because, you know, it's kind of like I'm making moves that are just good for me. <laughs> right and you know it, it, if you've been in any kind of partnership you cannot be in partnership with someone who just decides they're going to change the game right. whenever they decide they're going to change the game and not communicate that with the partner right right so if you're going to open up your relationship listen great i think you should do that don't do that without I, your partner's <laughs> consent <I> <laughs> After consenting, after talking to your partner about it. After talking to your partner about it, please, please, please. Right? Yeah, don't just show. Oh, by the way, this is an open relationship now. Well, and, and I'm but, sure that happens. I'm but. sure that happens, and I've seen folks who want to navigate it that way, which is that I was, you know, unfaithful. This is who I am. Let's try having an open relationship. Sometimes that works. Uh, you know, anyone that, who wants to work at it can build trust. Right. Uh, but it's starting from a really deep well, if that's where I'm starting from. Right. Right. And often I find that that's not necessarily the case because if you really wanted to have an open relationship, that's 
open. That's like we're open with open. each other. We're talking to each other. <laughs> yeah. Right? We all know nothing is closed right. away. Right? So, um, well, I shouldn't say it that way, but the relationships aren't closed away. Right. Right. We have an understanding of what is and is not okay and what is our relationship norm. Yeah. Uh, Communication. Yeah. So, Cheating is a terrible way to change the relationship norm. <laughs> it's not great. It's not great, right? Um. So yeah. So so we're we're getting closer to Dallas's question, right? Which is how do I build trust? Right. Now, if you are in relationship and your relationship has been affected by infidelity. What we find is that there are often certain behaviors that are high cost and low cost, right? Uh, that are uh, necessary to help folks establish new relationship if they decide they want to move forward and continue in monogamous partnership. Um, and we'll talk about non-traditional relationships in a, on a, at a different time. Right. Um, but if I want to, to rebuild and be in a monogamous relationship with this partner going forward, it is essential that I've learned trust building behaviors and repair behaviors, right? Trust building behaviors are those tangible steps that I can take to create tangible, visible safety for my partner, right? This is the, you know, pull back the curtain, ta-da, here is, here is everything, y'all, here's everything. Now, that feels really onerous, or can be really onerous to the betrayer, right? So the first thing I want to tell you is that it's not a set of rules that are just like to keep somebody in line. Right. It is a set of behaviors that the partners agree to that are clear markers, <laughs> right? That there is a willingness and an ability to change the behavior that led to infidelity, right? And that often means removing secrecy. People hate right. that. Don't send me hate mail. Or do. Send me whatever it is you would like to send me about Send this. us mail. <laughs> right? Send us mail about this. Uh, but oftentimes that means, like, I need to be able to see your phone. I need to be able to know where you are. Especially now with electronic you know, monitoring right. and surveillance as it is. Um, and there has to be a scrupulous kind of honesty. And when I say scrupulous honesty, I mean, there's no such thing as a white lie. Right. Did you do the thing? If you did not do the thing, you just didn't do the thing, right? Any lie, right, will trigger the questioning response right. of, can I trust you? Are you safe? <laughs> right? Can, we, can you be a safe person for me? Can, can you be my person? Do you have my back? Right? It's a rough part of that transition. That usually takes anywhere between six to eight months. It doesn't last forever, right? Does it matter how long the infidelity was taking place? Does that affect how long the healing process takes? Take? I mean, is there is there a correlation or I, I, is it really individual? I don't know if there's a correlation. There's so many different ways and types of infidelity. I mean, how can you measure the amount of hurt or harm? So okay. let's say, you know... Uh, it was one time, but it was super crazy embarrassing and it was my best friend. That's going to be different than right. if it was like one time 20 years ago 
Right. <laughs> right. That might not be as And that would be different if it's been ongoing for the past five years. Or if it's been ongoing for the past five years. I mean, there's all kinds of different variables. Right. Um, you know, if it's... Was there's that no my, scientific method. No. Was that, our, was that our kid's college fund that you spent? Right. That's right. going to be different than, you know, you took my, my dinner money, my right. wine money. Right. <laughs> right. We don't have wine money in our relationship, by the way. <laughs> Some of y'all might, though. Some of y'all might. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough in in terms of a timeline. I would tell you that it typically takes in my experience in working with folks to rebuild a relationship to a place where it is healthy. Uh, usually anywhere from 18 months to two years is the general uh, course of treatment, uh, with the first six months. And the last three months being the most difficult, right? actually. Because uh, the first six months is kind of getting through all of the sludge, <laughs> right? Uh, the next year or so is actually refiguring and reconnecting and reforming a new relationship in ways that avoid the patterns mm-hmm. that were held in place. It also allows the partners to do individual work uh, to support those two paths that we were talking about. Right. Uh, and then the last three months, because it can get really comfortable and folks maybe start to slide back into spaces that feel more comfortable, which actually got them in trouble in the first place. Right. Right. So um, it is fun. I enjoy working with folks around this topic. Uh, I think there are some I don't know, helpful tips, maybe, if folks experience infidelity about how they might want to move forward. Okay. Um. Did we answer Dallas's question? Not quite. Okay. Give me the question again. All right. So, <laughs> but, but I'll, I'll uh, paraphrase it for okay, you. Okay. Paraphrase so it for me. What Dallas is asking yes. is if, uh, uh, let's say you and I start dating. Yes, we are dating. And I know that you have cheated on somebody in the past. Uh, Not that you've cheated on me, but you have been uh, a, a betrayer in the past. How do we move forward with that information? Oh, so this is the is is the age old question of once a cheater, always a cheater. Correct. Yes. Okay. I do not believe that once a cheater, always a cheater. Right. Uh, I think that when you look at relationships, I don't want to say that did you don't. Horse? Yes, I did. I'm sorry. Let me do that one more time. <laughs> I don't want to say. You have to hold two. I have to hold two competing ideas about this. That's what makes it so hard. Okay. So I do have to take into account that my partner has a particular history, and that could be a pattern. Right. Right. So now my question would be: Is that a pattern in 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 relationships? Was this a particular time of life for this person? Uh, was this person in committed partnerships, or was this person like dating? <laughs> right. right. Was like like right. what what are we talking about when we say we have a track record, right? Right. But let's assume that the track record is just unfaithful in the past. Um to at least one partner. To at least one partner. Yeah. Um that's not necessarily indicative that this person is, you know, going to um be unfaithful in the future. In this sense, you know, Past behavior can be predictive, but it's not necessarily predictive. Um, It really has to do with how we build trust. Now, 
what I often find people do, and this is what can make this question difficult to to kind of figure out for folks, mm-hmm. is that they confuse trust and faith. Okay. Right? So faith is just, I think you're cool. I think we good. I don't need to look at nothing. I don't need to ask no questions. <laughs> I just right. kind of have decided that's just the way that it is, and that's just the way it's going to be, and I'm not going to investigate that any further. Okay. Right? Trust is built on extending trust and being able to recognize predictable behavior. Okay. Right? So if I think about trust in um, the way that Brene Brown describes it, trust comes in seven parts. There are boundaries. Do we maintain boundaries? Are my boundaries respected? Do I respect the boundaries of my partner? Right? The next is reliability. Can I count on my partner that when they say they're going to do the thing, they're going to do the thing every single time? Uh, Can I rely on my partner to behave in particular ways, right, that honor our commitments? For example, I can reliably say that if I found out you was talking shit behind my back to somebody, I would be stunned, (laughs) right? Right. I would be absolutely nonplussed because that would be something that would be a part of our trust, right? right? We haven't said that. I don't, I don't wake up every morning and be like, and don't you go talking shit about me. <laughs> and I don't you go out there talking shit about me. <laughs> don't you go out there talking no shit about me. <laughs> right. Ah, <laughs> right. oh, happy birthday. <laughs> don't be talking no shit don't about me. Don't be talking no shit about me. But, uh, you know, but that's something that I would just anticipate that reliably, I don't have to keep following up behind you. That's just the way you're going to <laughs> right. You're not checking up at the end of the day. So uh, you're talking the shit about me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, just checking. Yeah. Good night, sweetie. Yeah. So, I mean, we understand that that there's a certain amount of predictability in our behavior. So that's reliability. Uh, Then there's accountability. And I tell you what, it's really hard to have trust with someone who is never wrong. I don't know how you do it. But for those folks who are sometimes wrong. Patience. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how I do it. For people who are sometimes wrong mm-hmm. in their relationships, not pointing to anybody in particular, right. but like you, <laughs> when, <laughs> when you're wrong, you take accountability for it. You say, I did that. I own it. <laughs> I was wrong. Right. It's not, yeah. And accountability can be one-sided <laughs> in a successful relationship. Yeah. 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 So accountability. Right. Accountability. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, the next one is the vault. And the vault are those things that we hold secret and private between us that you understand, you and I understand are just between us or the partners understand are just between us. Right. That we do not put on the public forum. That we don't put on a public forum. That we don't put on a microphone in front of us. Right. <laughs> right? That are just... And also the, those things that make us a special we. Okay. Right? There's certain things that we only do with us. Right. Although sometimes those those things do do uh, win us prizes on cruise ships. This is true. That's a whole other story. We'll take that later. Another yes. story. Different day. But but I, but I know what you mean. The vault is, is bigger than what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, the vault is bigger than just truth-telling and secret-holding. Uh, it's also uh, just what makes the special we. Whatever it is that creates that barrier between us and the rest of the world, 
right? That's part of the vault. Okay. Right. Um, the next one is integrity. If you're honest with me and I'm honest with you, I can trust what you say to me. You can trust what I say to you. Right. Right. Pretty basic. If you are dishonest to me, and this is where infidelity creeps in, mm-hmm. if you are dishonest to me, I cannot trust you at all. <laughs> right. I mean, anybody know any like prolific liars that you're just like, all oh, my trust. <laughs> <laughs> I tell them everything. I tell them all of the things. And I believe every story they say. They are liars. Because they are liars. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So obviously you have to be honest. Right. Um I find the last two really interesting. N stands for non-judgment. Non-judgment. And that means that if I'm in a trusting relationship with someone, when they are in struggle, they can ask me for help. And when I am in struggle, I can ask them for help. Now that seems really basic. But I find a lot of relationships that are structured, sometimes as a result of trauma, sometimes as a result of other things, but they're structured so that one person is the trusting person and the other person is the trusted and it only goes in one direction. All right. And if I am trusted, but not trusting, I'm not in a trusting relationship. Ah, okay. Makes sense. Right. I'm just a trustworthy person, but I'm not in any way in a relationship with that. Right. Right. And the last one I find is just a, it, 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 to me, it's an indicator. It's like a symptom, which is generosity. And that is when, as a general rule, when things are going well or when things are going poorly, I hold the best version of my partner with me. Right. Right. So this is the idea that, like, if my par- partner is supposed to call me and they are reliable, mm-hmm. going back. You see that call back? Mm-hmm. They're reliable and they don't call me. I hold the version of them that says they're a reliable person and I proceed that way as opposed to how dare they? This person right. doesn't care about me. This person knows how important this is to me, right? I hold the best version of you until I have other information. Right. My question. Yes. Do, does that list, <coughs> is there an acronym? Yes, it is Braving, B-R-A-V-I-N-G, Braving. Braving. You can find it, um, Brene Brown has this lovely talk online that describes Braving in more detail if you're interested in learning more about the different segments of trust. It's called The Anatomy of Trust, and you can find it on YouTube. Um, And I really like Brene Brown stuff, so also, you know, read her books and all the things. Tell all about us. Yeah, tell tell Brene Brown about us. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So now uh, I imagine, mm-hmm. and I had this thought earlier, and I almost forgot it, that a lot of trying to deal with a person's track record with infidelity mm-hmm. has to do with your own track record. Agreed. With infidelity. Yes. Right. Whether you have been the betrayed or a betrayer. Agreed. Will will alter how you trust mm-hmm. or have faith with your partner? Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know why when I heard the the question just generally, I just assumed that the person uh, wouldn't that this would be an experience of someone who had never experienced infidelity before. Right. That's not the case. Huh. May not be the case. May not be the case. Well, and that that was an assumption I should not have made. Right. Good point. You want to thank you. 
I have those every now and then. Yes, but still, I was right. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Accountability. I was right. Um, so it, it would definitely color that. It would definitely color that. Yeah, I, I, I think that, though, to, just to give a very direct answer, each relationship is its own relationship. Uh, folks certainly will bring information, learnings, memories, behaviors from previous relationships. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it, they will bring uh, these uh, kinds of toxic behaviors. The, the thing that I find really beautiful about human beings in general is that we have the capacity to learn, right. that we grow, that we get to shift and be different identities. <laughs> and largely that is shaped by the people that we are surrounded by. Right. So, you know, having a track record, depending on what that track record looks like, <laughs> right, with infidelity is not necessarily a red flag. It is something that I would investigate. It is something that I would hope that the person who has experienced um, have, uh, betraying partnerships mm -hmm. has had some self-work, right. uh, has perhaps done some therapy to understand uh, what was happening that, you know, assuming that what was happening was counter to their values, uh, what led them to betray their values, um, or whether it expanded their values. Um, you know, there's a, some, some really uh, interesting questions that I find can be helpful in talking about past infidelities with folks. A, a good question that I sometimes have folks ask, which I, I find weird that people don't ask more often, is uh, what did you learn? Hmm. What did you learn from that experience, right? And, and I ask that as a real question, not a like, well, I learned I shouldn't do it. Right. right. <laughs> <You know>? right. <laughs> right. I learned that that was wrong. Like that's, that's not the question. Right. Um, there was something about that relationship that was valuable or something about that experience that was valuable to you. That tells you about who you are, that tells right. you about your, your values and your morals and how you see the world and what you need. Um, so I would want to know, like, what did you learn? What was valuable to you in that relationship? Um, what parts of your identity did you discover? You know, was it something new? Was it something that you reclaimed that you had been missing? Was it something that's always there and just didn't have expression? Like, help me understand how this fit into the arc of your life. Right. Right. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily worry but I would have some of those conversations so that I had some sense of how the person moved through that space, uh, hopefully into greater maturity. Right. I would also, well, for me, a lot of my belief is that you, I usually have, I'm a person who generally gives faith. Mm -hmm. And very trustworthy mm -hmm. until shown otherwise. Mm -hmm. So if a person has a checkered past, mm -hmm. that while I take while I, I, I remember it, mm -hmm. I lock it in, I don't I try not to let it affect too much our relationship. Yeah. Until you've shown me, until you've done something to me. Right. If, 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 yeah, I, if I'm I mean, saying that correct, right? Yeah, like, no, I hear I hear what you're saying. I, I think the challenge though, and this is part of what makes I think therapy kind of magical in some ways mm -hmm. is that if something is coming up between you and I, right. Right. About your past, 
it's not in the past. It's that brings it to the present. It's right. present, right? So if I'm having these kinds of questions about like, what does this mean? Well, that's present. And that's why I want to ask those kinds of questions in the present, not because I'm dragging in like old relationships, but because for whatever reason, they're here. That's the <laughs> right. lesson of the Lion King. Is that the lesson of the Lion King? That's one of the lessons. <laughs> it, the, I know Rafiki is very much like, you know, he hits Simba on the head. Ah, that hurts. Rafiki hits him on the head. He's like, ah, that hurts. What does it matter? It's in the past. Oh, but the past can still hurt. The past can still be affected present. The past can still be happening now, right? Hakuna Matata, what a wonderful phrase, uh, is a song about the past, letting the past go. But the, the, you have to grow from that. You you grow from the past. You pay attention to the past, and the past becomes present. Okay, so here's the real deal. Oh, the, the fake deal work? I'm about to take that example, and I'm not even going to give you credit ever. Oh, <laughs> I'm the whole thing. I'm never giving you credit. I'm just be like, you know, it's like the Lion King. <laughs> Accountability. Accountability. It's like the Lion King. Okay, now Rafiki, you hit somebody. <laughs> you may want to rewatch that movie just so you can get the pattern down correct. You hit somebody named Scar. No, <laughs> no that's not what happened in the lion. Okay, there's this lion, right? This is lion. And this monkey hits him on the head. But he's the king. See? But he's, he's the king. <laughs> but he's talking the king about yet. it's in the past, so it doesn't matter. So then Rafiki hits him on the head again. I said, "See, that's in the past. Uh, Why are you talking about it? Why are you bringing up old shit? Would you say that sometimes?" No, oh, I tell you what. Listen. In, in the least abusive way, I just want to reach out and smack you right now. <laughs> I do. I do. I do. <sighs> so, yes. Dallas, I hope that answered your question. Well, thank you very much for, for asking the question. We appreciate that. And, of course, if you have been listening to this podcast and it's either sparked something in you or you have questions or you want us to go further into anything in that Shoot us an email at Rainbow Dreamcatcher TLP. That stands for The Love Podcast at gmail.com. Send us your questions, or you can hit us up on social media at Rainbow Dreamcatcher, mm-hmm. The Love Pod on Instagram. There's a Rainbow Dreamcatcher, The Love Podcast Facebook page. You can hit us up individually. We, we will get it and we will answer it here on the podcast. On the podcast. Thank you so much for your super interesting questions. Really want to hear your feedback about the change in format. Let us know what you think of our new set. We've got some different colors. Folks were saying that how could we be so colorful and then have such a blank background and we agree. So we have added some color as we travel the world. We will be in different places, but you will always see us with our rainbow dream catcher. So, this has been Rainbow Dreamcatcher, the love podcast. Bye-bye. Bye.